Yeah, so before we go there, I thought I'd start off with a really fun topic today and talk about a weird health issue. Anybody else find, just have a weird health issue in their life? Like, it just, I'm, I'm in my late 30s now. I didn't used to get these 10 years ago, and now, I'm, it, now I had this weird health issue. It came up three years ago. Some of you might remember this. I know it's kind of weird to say, but um, I, I had an issue three years ago where I would just have marks break out on my face like red marks, and I was like, what is up with that? And so I went to the doctor, I'm like, can you help me figure this out? I don't know why red marks are breaking out all over my face, like I, I did go through puberty, you know, like I, I'm done with that, so what's going on with this? And they're like, ah, it's probably stress, don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, so I went home, and then those marks started to spread to like my arms and my chest. And I was like, this is really weird. Like, what is going on? So I know this is TMI, I'm sorry. But um, anyways, I went to the doctor and they're like, you know what, we're just gonna do a biopsy, okay? And if you know what a biopsy is, they basically take a mini cookie cutter and they just, you know, punch a chunk out of you, basically, is what they do. And, and so they did that, and they tested that, and still nothing, N not even a lead. Like, no, nope, we don't really, it'll go away, don't worry about it. So, okay, so all this was going on, and I was kind of getting frustrated, and I was talking to my neighbor, and I was complaining with my neighbor. Um, I love my neighbor, um, he's, uh, he's a, a, an 80-year-old guy, um, grew up in Holland, and he just has a lot of old-world knowledge. Um, he he uh, studied botany in his youth. His dad was a physician over there, and he just looked at me and he said, just take turmeric. That's all he said. Just, just take turmeric. You'll be fine. And I did, and you know what? It worked. Like, so weird, right? I paid all this money and attention to these, doc these doctors, and they didn't help me out. I go over to my next-door neighbor. He tells me to take turmeric. I take turmeric, and I'm fine. So props to the old world. Um, you know, listen to your neighbors. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Um, but no, where am I going with this? Well, sometimes, you know, we look to people to help us that we think can help us, and then it's really, really frustrating when they don't. You know what I'm saying? We look to different people in our lives like, you should be able to help me on this, and, and when they don't, it can be really, really frustrating. And so the question, when we look at Acts 19 today, we're actually going to look at a time when Jesus was called on, when God was called on, and he didn't help. And so I want to ask this question as we start off today. What do you do when God doesn't seem to be helping you? When you deal with the same issues over and over and over again, where you get stuck and you're just wondering, you're praying like, God, where are you? Help me out. And he doesn't. And I'm not talking about weird health issues anymore, okay? I'm talking about the real difficulties that we experience in life. I'm talking about spiritual battles. Um, now, if you're a spiritual person, you, you probably know what I mean when I say a spiritual battle. You probably know, like, yeah, if I'm having an issue, I, I, I pray, um, I, I seek God. Um, but if you don't, basically what a spiritual battle is, is we as Christians recognize that there's more going on in our world than meets the eye. There's more going on in our world than meets the eye. And in the Bible, it says that our battle is, isn't against flesh and blood. It isn't about just what we see, but it's against this, the, the power of spiritual darkness. And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, and, and this would include, like, sin, like, our, our state of rebellion against God. Um, this would include a real hell, a real devil, and real demons. 
Christians believe that there is a spiritual war going on behind the scenes in our lives and in our world, in cities, all over the place. And so I view this spiritual battle, there's an internal side of it, and there's an external side of it, right? There's an internal side of it, like we have strongholds in our life um, that can really take root and become real battles in our life. I mean, and we could name some big ones. Yes, pornography. Yes, alcohol. But also anger, right? Also, also gossip. Also all these other things that are, are listed in Scripture. Um, we have so many uh, anxiety, depression. Like there are strongholds that... that um, there can be strongholds built in our life that keep us from experiencing our life in Christ and make it difficult. Um, and maybe that you've prayed to God to release you from these things, release you from these... <clears throat> sorry, I, I should probably get some water uh, at some point. I'm not getting emotional yet. Uh, but no, maybe you've been praying to God to release you from these strongholds and you just don't feel like he has. Like you just haven't found your freedom from these things yet. And God to you might seem like that doctor that you keep coming to, and you're just not getting the results that you want yet. And so today we're going to look at Acts 19. Scott, you're the man. Just come up. Just, you know, what a servant right here, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, so now this is where not having a handheld mic would be really nice. Um, but we're going to look at Acts 19 where God doesn't help. God doesn't help in the middle of a spiritual battle. That's better. <clears throat> um, so in this, this story in Acts, it, it reveals a lot about God, but it also reveals a lot about the state of the human heart. And so getting into Acts chapter 19, we find Paul in the city of Ephesus. This is after his second missionary journey. He settles in the city for three years to build a church. And he's given... Um, He's given an uh, apostolic calling, and it, basically the work of an apostle, we use this word in the church, apostle, and it sounds really prestigious. All it means is a sender. Like, he came to this city, and he collected a bunch of people, and he just, you know, he, he taught people about Christ, and he helped them find places to lead, and, and he just kind of, like, with the power of the Holy Spirit, built the church in this city, and he commits three years of his life to this work in Ephesus. And it's apparent that in the middle of this time, there's a, a big spiritual battle that takes place. There's a scene that's like a very powerful turning point in his ministry in Ephesus, and it's a spiritual turning point. It's when the heart of a city changes. And we're going to look at that today. This is Acts 19, 11 through 20. And it says this. It says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. That's pretty powerful. Um, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, I told you this passage is really interesting, um, undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? 
And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I told you it's intense today, right? This is, this, is, this is one of those passages you're like, whoa, I guess you would have had to be there, but that, that's pretty intense. So let's, let's start at the beginning before we get into that last part there. Let's start at the beginning. Because what we see is that Paul is given like a very powerful supernatural ministry, right? Like where people are taking his handkerchiefs and his work apron and, and people are getting healed through that. Um, he's probably wondering, why are these people taking my clothes? I, I don't get it. People keep stealing my clothes. Um, but he's basically given spiritual authority over this city in Ephesus, that the Holy Spirit had fallen on him in such a way that people were taking his, his belongings and getting healed through that. Um, we saw this happen with Peter. We saw this happen with Jesus before in Scripture. And so for us to even think like, okay, what does, what does that mean for us? What do we need to take away from that? I think it's this. I think part of it is as Paul continues to grow as an apostle and as a servant of God, God gives him more and more authority. God gives him more and more responsibility. Like this is, there's a spiritual principle that, that the more faithful you are to, to, to Jesus, the more faithful you are to your calling and what God has for you, the more God usually gives you. I want to look at what Jesus said in Luke 16. He said, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. So it seems like God gives authority little by little, and we just see Paul at a point in his life where, where he carries a lot of authority. Um, the second takeaway is this. This kind of ministry would speak volumes to the city he's in. Um, the ancient city of Ephesus was obsessed with magic. They were absolutely obsessed with magic. In fact, it wasn't one of the great centers uh, of, of dark magic in the world, just rampant kind of um, superstition and, and witchcraft and all these things. And as you see, they, they studied these things openly. It was sort of like, it sort of took over the imagination and the heart of this town. And of course, we have these things today not as prominent. There are these things today. They are, there are sort of like dark connections to the spiritual world. In fact, a few years ago, I met a Satanist, and we had a conversation. I'd never really talked to a Satanist before. Um, I wondered, why would you want to be one? Like, from my perspective, right, if you read the Bible, um, Satan is defeated, right? Jesus has conquered Satan. So I wondered, why, why are you on his team? Um, and as I talked to him, it, the real reason kind of came out. This was a young guy who really was seeking power. It was an issue of power, and the perception was, hey, if I follow Satan, I'll get some kind of power uh, it, on this earth. And it's really interesting, because that sounds a lot like Genesis 3, uh, with the serpent talking to Adam and Eve, and, and basically saying, uh, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Like, they go to Satan for some sort of per, or pursuit of, of power. There's some sort of appeal there. And we had a great conversation. I was really glad that this guy opened up and, and, and shared with me. Um, but there is that sort of attraction um, to power that we all have, and sometimes it takes a spiritual route. Um, 
And so it's no surprise then that God would show up in power through his servant Paul in this city. That God would kind of show, you want to see where the real power is, it's in following me. And so he, his power is evident in the life of Paul. And so while this is going on, this story actually doesn't really include Paul. Um, but what happens is there's a group of what, what the Bible calls itinerant Jewish exorcists. And that's like a very, it's like a Halloween message almost, right? But, but it's like basically what that means is people who, who cast out demons. And, um, and so basically this means there was a group of Jewish guys traveling around trying to cast demons out of people. And um, we're not going to go into a great deal, uh, great conversation on that, but we could recognize that that kind of stuff still happens today. Um, Satan is still at work manipulating people. He's still, at, still looking for people that, that he can um, mess with. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So there is sort of a, a reality today that, there, that, that the enemy is looking for vulnerable people. He's looking for footholds in our lives. And, and God's instruction to us is, is to just be aware, be sober-minded, uh, be careful, be watchful, look out for that. And, you know, I know this is sort of a, a heavy issue. I don't think this is, I don't think we, if, if we're following Christ, I don't think we need to worry about Satan possessing us. Like, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and I don't think those two things can, can live together. Um, but he can find footholds in our lives, like we've talked about before. He can find strongholds. He can find ways to take us down. Here's the other thing. Do we need to be careful of what we label as demonic today? Yes, we do. We do need to be careful because we're, we're complex. And on my own power, I, I don't have the power to determine or diagnose, like, what's demonic, what's mental illness, uh, what's past trauma, what's a drug issue. And sure, there might be some connection in there. But what we see in this story is that this, was, this demonic possession was apparent, um, that that the, the demons here speak through this man about, about Jesus and about Paul. So it's, it's apparent, and that's what we know. Like, I've had friends and family through the years that have struggled with, with different things, mental illness, and, and I have had friends struggle with demonic influence, but they don't, they don't always go together. Um, and so we need to be careful and thoughtful about how we address it as people. And this is why as a community, if, if we have, as we deal with dark issues, this is why we have leaders and each other. We never go into these battles alone. We always go in community. Um, and that's why we have pastors and elders and leaders, um, because we're supposed to address these things as a church, not individually. So let's go back to the story. Um, so I don't know what success these guys had in the past. I don't know what their ministry looked like. Um, but what we do know is that their hearts were clearly in the wrong place based on what happens. Um, I think maybe they saw what was happening with Paul and they thought, well, I guess that's the trick, right? 
guess naming Jesus is the trick. That's the ticket. If we just mention Jesus, then, then we'll have his power. And so they try this on a, a man with an evil spirit, and they completely fail, right? They, they just anger the evil spirit. And then we get this really ugly scene where this one guy takes out seven guys, beats them up, and they run out of the house naked. That, that must have been a pretty crazy scene. Um, so basically what they demonstrate is that unlike Paul, they have zero uh, spiritual authority. They, they try, when they try to claim spiritual authority, they're left overpowered, naked, and wounded. That's not a good place to be left. So what's the deal? Because they used Jesus' name and nothing happened. I want to go back and look at what happened. So when they address this demon, they say, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Whom Paul proclaims. So it's not personal to them, right? This is Paul's Jesus. It's not their Jesus. And I think that's something that's important for our lives. I mean, this is an intense situation, but if you're dealing with your own battle at home, are you, are you trying to win the battle through someone else's Jesus or your own Jesus? Through Jesus who's personal to you. It's not simply about the name. It's about knowing him. Knowing him and walking with him. So what's missing from this is personal relationship. These guys didn't have personal relationship with Jesus. These guys didn't, weren't pursuing him. They weren't, they weren't following him. They just assumed they could use his name. And so for us, as we fight our battles, we need to ask the, the core question, are we in an active, vibrant relationship with Jesus? Because our faith doesn't exist through anyone else. It's just us personally, our own connection with Jesus. Because here's the thing, God wants to help you, and God wants to give you victory, but it has to happen through an active relationship with him. So let's go back. I want to go back to a, a familiar scripture. And this is where Jesus talked about almost the same scenario. And this is how important it is to know Jesus personally. And as we uh, look at this today, it's important to reflect, like, do I know Jesus personally? Because this is what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty, many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's not about just knowing the name. It's about knowing him. And more importantly, doing his will. Like walking in his will. Um, like knowing, knowing what he says and, and, and doing it. And so that's the question for us is do we know him? Not just about him. Do we know him for real? And because that's what the evil spirit in this story says. He says, speaking through the man, he confirms like they don't know him. He says, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? I don't know you. You don't have any authority over me. Like you're not connected. And so we need to make sure that we are connected, that we are connected. Because as Christians, we carry Christ's power and Christ's authority in us. Like, let's look at what Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 10. He said, 
Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So, like, Jesus gives his disciples authority uh, over not just these external issues that we might run into once in a while, but on the internal issues of our own life. Like, Jesus has given us authority and power uh, to defeat what's going on. He gives his uh, disciples authority over the darkness. He says, nothing will harm you. So, for us, we need to take away that we've been given power in Christ when we know him and we pursue him, that that's really where our strength comes from. That's really where our energy comes from. That's really where transformation happens is through this connection with Christ. That's how transformation can happen in your life. But it's not just something you can, like, speak without knowing Christ. These other guys, they claimed Jesus' name, but they didn't know him, they didn't follow him, and they, they didn't trust him. The difference is this. For them, Jesus was an experiment. I'm just going to try Jesus. I'm just going to try it out, uh, see what happens. I'm just going to say the name, see if, if anything happens. Um, where, f for them, they weren't knowing, they weren't trusting with their whole heart. It, compared to Paul, right? Paul's bought in. He, he you know, he's following Jesus with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, all his strength. And, and these guys were just trying it. Here's the thing, though. After this huge failure of an event, God goes to work. God actually uses this event to change the entire city. It's pretty amazing. Um, this is what it says. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. That word extolled means it was held in high honor. And also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So somehow, this event showed people who they needed to fear, and where, where the real power for change was. They got it. The community got it. It said fear fell on all of them that they needed to actually not just say the name of Jesus, but trust Jesus, but submit to Jesus. They needed to give up all the other ways they were seeking spiritual power because they found out who had real authority. These were all the people who were into, you know, that, that dark spiritual stuff, all the, you know, witchcraft, whatever. And so what did they do? They confessed. They confessed. Confessing means they agreed with God that they've gone the wrong way, right? They messed up. And they confess. And um, they, they divulge, they, they share how they've, con how they've gone astray, and they found freedom in Christ. And they end up burning all of their magic stuff, which they say is, is 50,000 days wages. I, I did some calculations here. This would be like, this makes quite a statement. This would be like burning 10 targets to the ground, okay? To the target store, 
So it'd be like, we don't need that anymore. We don't need Target. And you burn 10 of them to the ground, basically. Um, about $12 million worth of stuff uh, they burned. Why, why would you burn it, right? Why would you burn it? Because you can't go back to something that you burn, right? You can't go back to something that you burn. They, they, don't, they don't sell it. They destroy it. They just, they just get rid of it because they don't want to go back. It's a firm decision. It's not a trial basis thing. It's like, no, I'm in, and we're going to get rid of this other stuff. And they find victory over that stronghold. And so I think for us, we need to examine if we're struggling, if we have an area in our life that has a grip on us, how are we fighting that battle? Like, are we ready to, to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you're enough, and, and, and throw that thing away? Just get rid of it, whatever is causing it. Like, they, they burned, you can imagine, like, they burned a lot of stuff there on the ground. Like, if we, if we have a stronghold in our life we're struggling with, what are we willing to do to distance ourselves from that thing? Because there could very well be a stronghold in your life right now that, that needs to break. On the flip side, you could be feeling... Like we talked about the persecuted church today, you, should, you could be experiencing some real opposition to your faith in different ways. And we don't maybe necessarily experience it like in other parts of the world that we prayed for this morning, but it could still be there. You could still be in conflict with someone. You could still be working in a toxic work environment. Uh, school could be difficult. Um, it could be hard to find a friend that actually believes the same thing as you. You could feel alone in your faith. You could feel conflict even in your house um, over, over your faith. But faith requires us to have confidence in God's ability to bring victory to our lives. That, that we, our confidence is, is in the fact that Jesus can bring victory in the places that need it. And that he is more valuable than anything else that we could hold on to. And I know when I've experienced opposition and conflict in my life, the hardest thing to do is to wait for that. To wait for that. To be patient. To find peace and wait. And I've wrestled with God over people. I've wrestled with God over jobs. I've wrestled with God over money. All sorts of different things. And he's taught me again and again to wait. And allow him to bring victory. And so my challenge to us today is this, and this is sort of a reflective question for all of us, is are we trying Jesus or are we trusting Jesus? Are we trying Jesus or are we trusting Jesus? Because there's a difference. These seven sons of Siva, a fun band name, tried Jesus. They, they tried him and he didn't work, Right? They threw his name out to see if anything would happen, and nothing did. But Paul trusted Jesus. He was all in, heart, mind, and soul. And he didn't withhold anything from God. He knew Jesus, and Jesus knew him. And I've seen a lot of people try Jesus and give up when things get tough. Right? I've seen people try Jesus and give up when things get tough. Well, he's not helping me, so I'll look somewhere else. And unfortunately, people who I've seen just try Jesus and give up, like, things don't get better, right? 
Like, faith requires us to keep going. And if you've never tried Jesus before, he actually encourages you, though, to try him, right? To taste and see that he's good. Like, Scripture says that. But as we grow in our faith, there's a big difference between trying and trusting. And so if you're somewhere in the middle, this, this passage gives us this passage gives us the answer we need to make that jump from trying to trusting. From trying to trusting. What did the Ephesians do? They, they confessed uh, when they were struggling. They, they told people, man, this is my battle. This is my struggle. That's why community is so important. We can be open. like uh, it, when We can talk to our brothers and sisters and say, this is what I'm struggling with. And, and, and with that confession comes healing. It comes support. God works through that. What's the other thing they did? They destroyed their magic, right? They destroyed it. They got rid of it. They, they burned it. And that can seem like a big step, but how, how much do we want to get rid of those things in our lives? Because sometimes, sometimes getting right with God requires hard action. It requires us to do difficult things. This is sort of a silly example, but the first year uh, that Bonnie and I were married, there was one video game that I played uh, a lot. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then one day, God just gut-checked me, like, hey, you know, you're like in the first year of marriage, you should probably be spending more time with your wife than you are playing this game. And so one night, I took the game disc, and I just took a Sharpie, and I just marked it up, just just totally ruined it, threw it away, and there was some peace that came from that. Like, ah, I destroyed it. I'm not going to struggle with that anymore. So, yeah, you have freedom. Destroy stuff, guys. Go break stuff today. Be awesome. You'll find peace. Um, but we give those things up so that we can follow Jesus without the roadblocks, without the hindrance. And so I don't know what that stronghold could be for you, but I do know that that is hindering you from following Jesus more. And so God's invitation to you is to give that up, is to, to give that up. Recognize that you're in a battle, whether that's an internal battle or an external battle. There's a battle that you're fighting. And so consider those steps. Do you need to confess to someone? Do you need to take close Christian brothers and sisters, friends in that you trust and share what's going on in your life? Or do you need prayer? Do you need someone to just put their arm around you and pray for you? That's what we're here for. Or do you need to literally break something? <laughs> I'm giving you permission to do that within reason, okay? I don't want the cops calling me, okay? So, but this is where trust gets real. Jesus gives us the power to overcome when we don't try him, but we trust him. Not simply using his name, but trusting him, Jesus, the God who's at work in our life and through our life. Let's pray. Jesus, we just recognize today, God, that you're in control. You're in control of everything we see and everything we don't see. Uh, Jesus, we, I pray that you would help us to give you more control over our hearts, our lives, uh, over the parts of our lives where we struggle. Um, God, over, uh, over the different things we battle over. 
Um, God, whatever that stronghold is in our life, whether it's anxiety, depression, alcohol, pornography, all these different things find their way in, and they capture us, God. And so I pray today for freedom. I pray today for freedom that, Holy Spirit, you would just set people free that need to be set free, that we would be a community of freed people, Lord, and that when people um, encounter us, that, Lord, that we could lead them to the same freedom that we have found. And so, Lord, we, we pray, we recognize, God, that, you, Jesus, you have authority spiritually in our community. And I pray, God, that you would help us to see what you see, God, to, to be sensitive to how your spirit wants to work through us, Lord, as your people, God, whether we're experiencing internal struggle or external struggle, uh, whether every time we walk into work, we just feel a weight that we can't explain. God, whatever that is, God, I pray that you would help us lead us to freedom, God, and help us to bring the freedom of Jesus to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.